The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Later this year, in Quebec, Canada's first ever secure site for research in thanatology is set to open. What is that, you ask? Well, it's otherwise known as a body farm, a secure site where cadavers are placed in outdoor settings to study their decomposition. There are only a few of these sites around the world, and their research, well, it helps collect data, important data that will help police, the military, human rights organizations with legal death investigations and victim recovery and identification. Dr. Sherry Forbes is the scientist in charge of the research site, and she joins us now. Dr. Forbes, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Well, let's start with this one. Tell me, how did you get interested in uh, in this type of research? Uh, it was a, a long journey, but I was always interested in science. And like a lot of people, I enjoy reading crime novels. (laughs) So when it came time to decide on a career, I joined my two favorite topics, and here I am today. Here you are today. Now, um, did I say that right? Is it thanatology? That's correct. Thanatology is the study of death, and in a forensic context, it is, as you said, uh, understanding the process of human decomposition. Okay, so uh, thanatology, uh, the secure site for research in thanatology. I know some people call it body farms. I know some of you aren't uh, quite happy with that. Um, or, you know, how do you feel about that name for them? Look, the name is, is one we try to avoid using simply because it doesn't really explain to people what we do. So it's misconstrued as we farm body parts. Yeah. Uh, we definitely don't. Um, and if we just call it a human decomposition facility, people usually have a good understanding of what that means. Okay. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Forbes, tell us about this site. Where is it and what's going to happen at it? Tell us, tell us what you do there. Certainly, the site is uh, in Trois-Rivières in Quebec, and we've picked a relatively remote but still accessible location. Uh, These facilities are are typically forested um, in woodland, and we choose that because they are meant to mimic uh, the kind of location that police are often searching. And it's a high security facility. So our number one priority is to respect the the privacy of our donors and to ensure only those people like the police who need to be there are actually accessing the facility. So um, I have so many questions. I don't even know where to begin, (laughs) to be honest with you. So um, it's it's going to start, um, it will open. It will start functioning uh, later on this year. So what happens when a donor body is... um, is uh, it comes to you what 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 do you do with it so when our donors arrive they come straight out to our facility through our anatomy department and we immediately uh, recreate a scenario so everything we do is intended to help the police and they will advise us on the kinds of, of scenarios they want to see. So sometimes we're recreating perhaps a hiker who has gone missing uh, and has subsequently perished and their body would just be lying on the ground and we'll recreate that. Or we might be asked to recreate a victim of homicide who has been buried in a shallow grave or concealed by leaf, litter and, and, and uh, branches. And so we'll try to recreate that. And so the scenario is created immediately and then we monitor that usually over weeks, months and sometimes years uh, to gather as much data as we can. So 
Um, would this ever be used in direct correlation with an investigation? So if police said, um, this is what's happened, this is what we found, can you recreate that? Or are you, recreate, are you, are you um, studying it based on, you know, just possible scenarios and then they no, can we, use the information? Yeah, we do both. Okay. Um, so we uh, recreate a lot of possible scenarios, but we have uh, had instances when I opened a facility in Australia and, and the same will happen here in Canada where the police ask us to recreate a specific scenario based on an active investigation. Okay, interesting. So as you mentioned, you helped establish a similar site in Australia. Um, Why come to Canada? Um, Well, it's a completely different environment. So the thing we know about decomposition with certainty is that the environment will change the process and the rate. And we use that rate to estimate how long a victim is deceased, which is really important for an investigation. Um, But we can only understand that by recreating these studies in the local environment. So Australia is one extreme, and I think Canada is the other extreme, actually, Mm -hmm. in terms of what would actually happen um, when a body is decomposing outdoors. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, you know, the difference between um, decomposition in a cold climate compared to warm all the time, um, mm-hmm. that, that would certainly play into, you know, just the way the body, how you'd probably be able to tell how long the body's been there, that sort of thing. Absolutely. So our greatest challenge is estimating how long a body has been there and we can't use data from other facilities that like in Australia or in Texas because they're typically warm climates. Uh, the process is very rapid. In fact, we often see uh, mummification in those environments, hmm. whereas after, under snow and for six months of the year, uh, usually bodies can be preserved here. And yeah. that's, that's really quite different to what we would expect. Sherry, when you go to a dinner party or when you meet somebody <laughs> for the first time and you say, hey, what do you do for a living? <laughs> what is their reaction? Um, usually interest. Uh, I, I, I go slowly, so I'll admit I'm a chemist, first of all, which sounds not particularly exciting, but then I'll say I'm a forensic chemist and, and I'll eventually admit that I do study human decomposition. But I think because of the television shows, you know, CSI and yeah. Bones, people really understand what we do now, more so than 20 years ago. And uh, usually people will just say, oh, that's so great. You know, I, I enjoy watching those TV shows or I like reading those books or they'll admit it's probably not for them but they are still interested to hear more about it. Well you you brought up TV shows and and movies and I was going to bring that up because yeah you're right I think we uh, we all if we've watched any sort of movies like that we have an idea like a really basic 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 um, like kindergarten level idea of what it is Um, you know with different like and I can remember thinking with different bugs and different um, you know, insects, uh, they show up at different times in the decomposition phase, right? Yes, yeah, we use insects to, that's one of the accurate methods we can use or most accurate methods to estimate time since death because as you say, they show up at different stages and we use their life cycle to understand how long they've been present, which tells us something about how long the body's been in that environment. Um, and you also um, do some research into um, the, is, did I get right, the odors, the smell from the bodies as well? Yes, I do, yeah. Oh, so uh, what? So give us an idea about that. What, what can you tell from that? Same thing? 
Um, so for, for odour, it's much more about how we search for victims. Uh, we Our best tool is cadaver detection dogs. And uh, whilst the dogs probably do know what they're doing, we certainly don't. <laughs> so we have to try and understand what is decomposition odour chemically and then which compounds are the dogs using to, to separate the odour of, of a body from all the other odours that are naturally present in the environment. And our research is designed so that if we can understand that, we can help them discriminate that odour much better. And particularly in really challenging environments, such as a mass disaster where there's mm. so many other background and overwhelming odours, that's just really challenging for the dogs. And we rely so heavily on them. Yeah, you know what, we had uh, one of the Edmonton Police Services um, cada- or, you know, sent sent dogs in and it was um, it was to, to smell, or t- it was a cadaver dog. And and yes. um, they were teaching it um, how to find bodies in water as well. That's right. I was yes. fascinated and by that. Absolutely. And that's another really challenging environment. You think about how much an odour could be diluted in, in a large area of water. And yet their sense of smell is so incredible that they can still detect that if, if it's present. So these are the things that, as I said, the dogs know what they're doing, but we as scientists are still trying to, to figure that out. <laughs> wow. I, I can't even imagine how many different scents a dog's nose could pick up. I know my dog, when it's out in the field, it's 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 nose to the ground and... Uh, uh, like most, it's it's quite amazing to, to to watch them. Dr. Forbes, I need to take a quick break here. Can you hold on for just a second? I want to talk to you a little bit more about the security around the site, but as well about the do- uh, the body donation program as well, because I know that you're getting um, quite a bit of interest on that. So I'd like to pick your brain on that, if that's okay. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Hold on just a minute. It's Dr. Sherry Forbes joining us this afternoon. As I mentioned, in Quebec later this year, Canada's first ever secure site for research in thanatology is set to open. Dr. Forbes uh, is the scientist in charge of that site studying death and decomposition. Like it sounds like something out of CSI, right? We'll talk more with her right after this. Dr. Sherry Forbes joining us this afternoon. Uh, Dr. Uh, Forbes is uh, the Canada 150 Research Chair in Forensic Thanatology. Uh, the first ever secure site for research in thanatology is set to open in Quebec by Trois-Rivières later on this year. Uh, thank you for taking the time out to talk with us today. I uh, wanted to ask you about um, what is going to be put in place for you know keeping the body secure and maybe away from animals, That's that sort of thing. Yes, so we definitely have a high security facility, as I mentioned, um, to respect the privacy of our donors. And the high security fence actually prevents uh, large scavengers. Uh But of course, we can have smaller scavengers such as birds who can uh, really breach a fence. (laughs) And so within our facility, all of our donors are placed under cages. And that ensures that the remains stay on site at all times. And that's really important to us because although scavenging is important from a forensic perspective, uh, our donors' remains are returned to their family at the end of the day. Oh, okay. So tell me about that process. So it is a body donation program and people are showing interest already. Uh, Tell me about that and how it works. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize that the, 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 the remains would go back to the family at the end of it all. Yeah, so people donate during life. They sign a consent form and agree that they want to uh, come to our facility and be used for that research. 
and they can stay at our site for up to three years. But our legislation does require that after three years, uh, the remains are returned to our Department of Anatomy where the um, remains are cremated and then returned to the family. And and that is our legislation. So that's Mm -hmm. the the mandate we follow. When people ask you about um, the body donation program and ask you, you know, what might happen to their bodies, what do you tell them? Um, it depends how much they want to know. Okay. So some people have lots of questions. They ask, you know, I saw this scenario on CSI. Is that going to happen? <laughs> um, so I'm always happy to share with them. We don't want to hide and we're certainly not trying to hide anything we do. Um, we always tell people about what the scenarios are. But uh, some people don't want to know. Uh, they think of this not so much from a forensic perspective, but as just a natural way of returning to the earth. Mm-hmm. So they're actually donating from an environmental perspective and, and considering this as a green burial. And in those scenarios, they say, as long as I'm outside and returning naturally, that's mm-hmm. all I need to know. And, and that is becoming more and more popular uh, as as well when it comes to options um, after death and, and returning back to the earth, that sort of thing. Hearing, hearing a lot more folks interested in that. Um, Definitely. Yeah. What about, um, you know, um, what about the smells and, and odor? Like it's, I mean, it's your job and I get that. Um, and, and you're probably used to it, but I'm guessing you have to have a fairly strong stomach to do what you do. Yes, you really do. Um, I won't pretend otherwise. It takes time to get used to the odour and there are times that even I uh, find it challenging. Uh, thankfully, the odour doesn't last too long. Uh, again, it is linked to those stages and um, and after a while, it, it's not detectable to the human nose, but certainly it's still detectable to a dog's nose. Yeah. Um, so I do warn my students and they always have <laughs> the option if they find it too much. There's so many other things that they can do in forensic science that yeah. doesn't involve uh, decomposition or, or its odour. Dr. Forbes had a text that just came in uh, from one of my listeners and said that um, he had read that um, the diet of, of what the deceased person um, has had been eating, that sort of thing, could also um, impact um, the decomposition. Is that true? Uh, look, it's not scientifically proven, but I don't doubt that it probably does in, uh, impact in some way. Uh, we're all so unique during life. Even our odour is unique because of our diet, our lifestyle, our clothes, everything around us. Um, so I'm sure it probably does have an impact. Unfortunately, it's not something we can study uh, because often we don't know our donor's yeah. diet during life. You must, um, you know, give, you must be you know, just kind of chomping at the bit a little bit to to get at this, just for the sheer amount of information that is going to be gleaned from this research site and and, 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 and how it's going to help uh, in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. We are very keen because this will be the first in Canada and our climate here is so unique. Uh, But certainly our intent long term is to open multiple facilities across Canada uh, so we can have much more data being collected and it is more accurate, uh, particularly the West so, you know, the west coast of Canada is very different to yes. Quebec. Yeah. Um, so we need to have more of these facilities and, and keep collecting that data. So 
so that it's relevant to the local police. And how, how do you arrange to have something like this? It's got to be something, um, you know, quite uh, organised with the community or the closest community that you're, you're, you're beside. Absolutely. We always inform the community uh, and we usually have a public meeting to make sure that they are in agreement uh, with with such a facility because um, whilst we understand the impact of what we do for police and forensic services, uh, not everybody watches CSI. (laughs) So we do want to make sure that they understand and that they agree because uh, ultimately it is going to be in their community and and we want to ensure that there's no long-term issues um, with openings such a facility. Before I let you go, you know, as, I, as I've been reading about this today, and, you know, I think there's one that's just opened in the UK or it's about to open in the UK, and there's been some critics um, uh, to it, and I suspect that they ha- there is critics anywhere one of these open up. What do you say to those folks, Dr. Forbes? Yeah, look, in the forensic community, we all know each other and and I agree there are people who who don't see the value of these facilities and I completely respect their opinion. Um, We are unique during life and so we are unique in death and and there's a lot of variability in terms of what we see. Um, But I guess what I say is is the alternative is using animal remains Mm -hmm. and we know that they're very inaccurate. So the information we give to the police is not as helpful uh, and and the difference with our facility is that our donors can consent and, and we are respecting the wishes um, to donate to forensic science and that's not the case with animal remains unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that there's critics uh, at all uh, about this because I think that the work that you're that you're doing and uh, the, the research that uh, will, will turn up, will come out of it is going to be so important um, in moving forward. So, you know, Dr. Forbes, thank you for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, I'm wishing you a great long weekend. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Take care now.